0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of Vegan World. And first up, a big thank you to everyone uh, for all the positive uh, feedback I've been getting on um, Facebook and social media. Uh, it's really positive and very much appreciated. Thanks guys. Now on today's show we have Carrie McCarthy who is the Member of Parliament in the UK uh, for Bristol East. Carrie is a Vegan MP. Uh, she's also the first Vegan MP when she was elected to Parliament in 2005. Carrie has won a number of awards for her work in advancing the cause of animal rights, including the Cruelty-Free International Parliamentarian of the Month Award uh, for her contribution to ending animal experiments. And that's not easy to say first thing in the morning. Carrie is also an active member of the animal welfare groups in Parliament, as well as the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Veganism and Vegetarianism. And throughout the course of the interview, you'll hear Kerry's story uh, becoming, as I said before, the first vegan MP in Parliament, but also what the reaction was like to her, uh, particularly across the benches, and who are the current vegan MPs in Parliament. And please, the report, it's a growing number. So sit back, relax and enjoy uh, the conversation with Kerry. So hello and welcome to Vegan World to Kerry McCarthy, MP for Bristol East. Hello, Kerry. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, a bit busy in Parliament at the moment, but uh, I'm good.
0: I can imagine. Um Uh, something to do with something beginning with b i believe
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think maybe the rest of my life may be dominated by this beginning with b
0: (laughs) i know i know you're incredibly busy Gary. so i really really appreciate you taking the time out to um to speak to us today um hopefully it's a welcome distraction as well for you so
1: yes yeah
0: (laughs) so Gary. um We'll get into the the party and parliament and everything in a little while, but first of all, can you just talk to us a little bit about uh, about your own background and how you personally became uh, involved in veganism and how you actually transitioned into the vegan lifestyle?
1: Okay, so I became vegetarian at 16, um, and then it took a bit longer. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm 16 in 1981, so we're talking about quite a long time ago. (laughs) And... um, there were a few people in, I, I grew up in Luton, which um, actually has got a vegan restaurant that's just about to open, but it's certainly not the most bohemian place. It's not like somewhere like Bristol that I represent at the moment where there's a huge number of vegans. Um, but back then I was kind of part of the, I suppose you'd call it like the alternative post punk scene. And there were a few vegans, including my younger sister. She followed me in becoming vegetarian, but she became vegan um, a few years before I did. And, um, as I always say, she was quite sort of preachy and a bit Mm self-righteous about it. She's not like that at all now. But um, I didn't really pay that much attention to her arguments. And then one day I actually did and realized what she was saying about the link between the dairy industry and, you know, the fact that you you can't have a dairy industry unless cows become pregnant and uh, the calves are disposed of. And that just, to me, it was just meant that i had to become vegan because it just didn't seem logical to me it didn't seem defensible to me to carry on consuming dairy and um that was very close to christmas um i think towards the end of 1991 so i just thought well i'll do it as a new year's resolution i remember at the time um there was a very nice cheesecake from Marks & Spencer's and I kind of had a ceremonial last slice of Marks & Spencer's lemon (laughs) cheesecake (laughs) and that was my farewell to to dairy products and um, that was it so I think January the 1st 1992 I was living with someone at the time who was vegetarian and he went vegan as well and all these years later both of us are still vegan as is my sister so she's like I think uh, she's like well over 30 years vegan
0: Fantastic. Uh, you were quite a trailblazer back in the day, Carrie, to do that. I remember growing up in the uh, 1980s Belfast, and they, well, I don't think. The preoccupation at that time was with veganism. There were other issues, obviously. And people were more concerned yes, of about, course, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the, the availability of foods even then was um, so difficult. My poor mother was trying to to help me at the as best she could. You know, with like nut roasts every Sunday Enough. for dinner.
1: Um, yeah, so I, I feel well, pre- I remember even being vegetarian. Yeah. Um, my mother used to buy these not very nice cheese and onion pies from Sainsbury's, mm. and she she used to make. We still joke about it. She used to make this baked bean and sweet corn pie. <laughs> it was pretty horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she, you, there just wasn't the, the choices. And actually, when we went vegan, it coincided with Luton actually getting a health food shop, um, which where you could get things like soya milk from. But it was pretty horrible back in those days. It, it didn't have a great taste. And it used to curdle a lot. Um, and now whenever people say to me that they... Struggling even to do veganuary, mm-hmm. I just also I just can't. You know, you're absolutely spoilt for choice now. Yeah. And even if you live in a fairly rural area, you can probably get your hands on, well, an awful lot more than we could. You know, and things like we we used to get a train down to Brighton occasionally, where a health food shop did vegan cheese. It was the only place we knew about, and that was a good. Um, hour and a half trip, um, and obviously, we'd go there for the day, not just on a cheese mission. But um, you know, now you can go into any supermarket and find vegan cheeses.
0: Yeah, I don't know, it's funny actually. As a back, and uh, you know, just as you said there, actually, you know, with the likes of Veganuary, the younger vegans I'm wagging my finger, going, You know, you didn't know what it was like in my day, you've never had it so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Do you think there's, there's been a, a little bit of um, fuss in the last few well, last week, where the EU Parliament apparently is going to stop people uh, or stop veggie burgers or fake bacon or things like that using the words burgers and bacon. And um, I got into a bit of a discussion with um, a Green MEP, actually, who was saying, well, we shouldn't be having all these substitutes anyway. You know, people can have Healthy, you know, I think she's thinking like macrobiotic lentils and quinoa mm. diets. And I do think actually the availability of all these substitutes is its just so helpful in terms, yes, you can get by without those things. But I think it makes it a lot easier for people to make the transition.
0: Well, that's the key word, isn't it really, Kerry? Uh, yeah. It's transition. It's to help people in their journey over yeah. to, you know, a, well, ultimately be a plant-based diet, you know, 100% agree yeah. with you on that.
1: Fast and a bit of forward. vegan junk food never hurt anyone. No, you it? It. You've got
0: to yeah. indulge occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> My weekends would be very boring without it. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, fast forward to 2005, you became uh, the Labour MP for Bristol East. Um, mm-hmm. You entered the House of Parliament. So, tell us what the attitudes uh, that you would have faced back then were like. Uh, I suppose towards you as a vegan, uh, but veganism in general within Parliament, and how have you noticed those change, if at all, over the years?
1: Right. So back then, I was the only vegan MP, the first vegan MP. And I remember when I did my maiden speech, I was talking about a couple of my illustrious predecessors in in my constituency, um, Stafford Cripps and Tony Benn. And I remember saying in my maiden speech that they were both vegetarian and teetotal and I do I sort of drink very occasionally but I think I went for about 10 years when I I don't really know why but I just Hmm. just didn't um and I was gonna and I sort of was going to say and I'm even worse than that I'm I'm vegan but one of my Labour colleagues started booing when I got to the teetotal bit. So I kind of like <laughs> lost my nerve and thought, oh, it's bad enough outing yourself as supposedly vegetarian and teetotal. total um, But um, yes, yeah, so I didn't really say very much about it to start with because I was, um, I suppose, you know, there's a lot of other issues you have to mm. get your head around. You're sort of slightly worried that you'll be labelled as the vegan MP from, then onwards, I always remember Neil Tennant from the pep shop boys oh, yeah. saying that although, you know, he was out as gay to absolutely everybody he knew, and it was perhaps fairly obvious, mm. he didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to come out publicly because he would thenceforth be the gay pop star Neil Tennant. And mm. then he said that when he did come out, that that frequently happened. And I've noticed, I mean, I, I brought forward a bill on animal sentience, um, a 10 minute rule bill in Parliament the other week. And it's all vegan MP brings forward this bill. And actually it's got massive support across the house. It's not, I'm not really bringing it forward because I'm vegan, but yeah. So I was a bit wary about getting labeled. Um, But then I got, I just got impatient with issues not being talked about. And in 2009, I... Uh, got managed to get a debate on the impact of livestock on the environment so you know the massive carbon footprint that's attached particularly to um, you know livestock farming and um, and then I just sort of said in the opening remarks you know I'd rather it wasn't me bringing this forward because I'm vegan and um, uh, and you know and there was quite a hostile response to that from MPs who are farmers there's quite a lot that are that do have farming interests and I, I also did a debate on World Vegan Day um and that was it was the end of day debate so it was pretty late at night and normally with those things it's just you and the minister who has to reply and um I think there were about a dozen MPs turned up all with farming interest to basically heckle and interrupt and no uh, sort of jeer at, you know, sneer at me basically and um uh yeah. So the host and the hostility is still there to an extent. Um, but what I am finding is it has become commonplace. So one of my Labour colleagues actually said to me the other day: we were in an event with George Monbiot where we were talking about environment policy, and he said, "Yeah, the biggest thing people can do is to." Move away from a meat-based diet, mm. and this colleague, to his credit, said, "I used to think Kerry was crazy, but actually, she was right all along." wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. You know, somebody's got to stick their head above the parapet and be the, the person that gets ridiculed and abused and that. And but there, you know, that's not. Under, we, we've made a huge amount of progress. There's a lot of people that accept that. You know, they're, they're still not going to advocate going vegan, but they accept that you need to sort of reduce your meat consumption. But there is still a big pushback in some quarters. I I get sent, you know, on social media, you get people that send me pictures of bacon quite regularly (laughs) because they're angry, which is... Very silly, but, yeah. but yeah, you get things like
0: that. They're everywhere, Kerry, believe me. I get them as well, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: that was one of the questions I had for you, actually, was to find out whether or not there was a lot of pushback, and and if so, who? Uh, not in terms of naming names or anything like that, but there, are, there's obviously politicians out there, maybe across the benches, whatever, who, who are there because a lot of their supporters are in the meat and dairy industry. Um, yeah, maybe yeah or, I mean, some of
1: the Northern Ireland... MPS, um, for example um, you know I think there's one who's got family interest in a big meat processing business Um, there's another one that I particularly remember turning up to that World Vegan Day event but I was recently on the Agriculture Bill Committee and there were about four Conservative MPs on that that just kept bringing up my veganism over and over again Mm. so for example you know it was things that were nothing to do with being vegan, I think I was talking about food waste at some point, and they start coming in, and you know, and I just kept saying to them, in the end, I kept saying it's really tedious, you know, can we just yeah. discuss the issues properly? Yeah. And um, actually, the minister, you know, who was in charge of the bill, he was far more respectful and actually prepared to agree with me on a lot of things, but these, I think they, they just thought they were being, you yeah, know, amusing or whatever, or yeah, yeah. But, they were really, i didn't think they were I and mean, one of them came up to me afterwards and he said when you were talking about food waste i was going to say that if you are worried about food waste you ought to be eating black pudding because one of the biggest waste products is blood from slaughterhouses, and you can make black pudding with it and um yeah that's a pretty good. that's way of looking, a looking at a it a yeah vegan. i'll
0: give him that
1: yeah you know i mean it's, it's it's puerile and it's but it's actually quite offensive and actually one of his his colleagues a female mp on the committee who i think's, Vegetarian. She actually came up to me spontaneously at the committee and said, "I think the way that they treated you was pretty appalling." And they would, you know, it's, it's just this idea of having respect for people's views. I remember um there was a debate about in non-stunned slaughter, and um I just was in mostly. I don't think I made a speech, but I was in more just to sort of do a couple of interventions. And the Jewish MP who spoke was listened to with respect. The Muslim MP who spoke was listened to with respect. But then Matthew Rofford, who's a vegetarian conservative MP, got up and talked about slaughterhouses from an ethical perspective. Yeah. And immediately that hostility from his colleagues started. And you think, well, why Why is a religious viewpoint, why do you respect that and exactly. you don't respect other people's, you know, very sincerely held ethical beliefs, yeah. you know, and uh, Yeah. They just feel like they're
0: entitled to be as as rude as they can. Yeah, it's an odd way. It's a really good point, funnily enough. And I was listening to an audiobook the other day that touched on something like that, Carrie, and they were talking about how if you're talking about Mm. people from a faith background, and they happen to be putting across their point of view, and people rightly just, you know... Don't question it. They just accept it. They don't necessarily have to agree with it. But, you know, they mm. just uh, they'll let them have their say and listen respectfully and quietly. When anyone yeah. from, say, a non-religious perspective, but with equally as deeply held point of view, and in the case of what we're talking about in animal rights and veganism in general, when we're putting that point of view across, and it, and it's representing a huge... Socially progressive movement now in the UK, suddenly yeah. we get vilified for it. <laughs> Where yeah, if that was exactly, something compa- yeah. campaigning for civil rights for humans, they certainly, I, well, I certainly wouldn't like to think they behave like that. So it, yeah. it's an odd thing, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I mean, it, it would, yeah, quite rightly be classed as hate crime if you mm. um, responded to a Muslim by sending them pictures of bacon. Mm-hmm. And I'm not necessarily saying that you know it, it should be for vegans to do equivalent but it's the fact it's seen as amusing rather than being um you know a, an unpleasant way to behave you know yeah. and obviously not everyone thinks it's amusing but quite a few people do um i think
0: pure is the word you use carrie, and exactly the right thing all you're asking for is a little bit of civility to have an adult, adult yeah. debate about the, the issue yeah. and that, that's it really you touched on something there actually carrie that i wanted to ask you about because um You've mentioned other vegan stroke vegetarian uh, politicians. Um are there many? now? well obviously you were the only one back in the day when you joined, but are you noticing more and more in the current parliament? And I believe your own party leader, Jeremy Corbin, is he's vegetarian but he, and he's almost almost <laughs> attempted to make that last he said step he, and move on. He up.
1: has more vegan food now. I think he's technically pescatarian. Oh, he he describes himself as vegetarian, but um I spoke at a Vegan Society event at Labour Conference a couple of years ago and somebody asked me from the audience, is Jeremy going to go vegan? And one of my colleagues said, well, he had fish and chips with me in my constituency the other day. <laughs> they, they looked a bit shocked. Um, so, uh, but there are five vegan MPs. Um, there was, um, so in 2010, Chris Williamson was elected and he's been vegan since the 70s. And then also Cathy Jameson, who sadly lost a seat in 2015 but she'd been vegan since about the 80s so there were three of us and then um in 2015 christina reese got elected and i've also managed to win over two of the other bristol mps so it's now me chris williamson and christine reese who've both been vegan since the 70s and then bangham debonair and darren jones in bristol northwest have both gone vegan in the last few years so in bristol three out of four um of the mps are uh, vegan. That is running. absolutely
0: brilliant. Well done, I Bristol. <laughs> Tri- yeah. Tri- I think it's Tri-
1: well, interesting because Thangham, you know, I started off doing it for ethical reasons, so animal mm. welfare issues, and then became familiar with the other arguments. But Thangham went vegan when she'd, she'd always been, she'd been vegetarian since she was a teenager, but she developed breast cancer soon after she was elected. And she did a lot of research on healthy diets and so on. Um, and then Darren came at it very much from the environmental angle. So, uh, you know, it shows different people come to it for different reasons. Darren had been vegetarian a long time as well. Absolutely. But, um, yeah.
0: Well, come on, Jeremy. You know you can do it. Come on.
1: I know, I know. It's not difficult. <laughs> that last
0: little push. So let's talk a little bit about some of the campaigns, Kerry, that you've been involved in as well. Because in doing my research, is, um as uh, any dutiful uh, podcaster should be doing. Um, I've also noticed that you've come across uh, campaigns, or been involved in campaigns, I should say, with on badger culling, animal okay. experimentation, uh, and animals in circuses, and fox hunting as well, which obviously is hugely unpopular, uh, all of those things. But can you talk to us a little bit about uh, each of those campaigns? Um,
1: yeah, well, I think with badger culling, it's a bit frustrating because there was a lot of opposition um when the badge call first resumed and when they were just pilot schemes and um i think the problem was we sort of ran out of steam a bit in terms of how to draw attention to it and obviously now the pilots have been rolled out and there's far more going on but you know we did have regular debates in parliament and petitions and brian may from queen was very much involved along with other high profile people and um the problem was you know If you listen to any of the debates, we won the argument hands down. You know, the scientific evidence didn't support Cullen, But there's only so often you can make the same points over and over again without, you know, we just couldn't get the the DEFRA to concede any ground. So, you know, obviously, you know, I still hope that we can keep pushing. But it's, uh, I'm not quite sure where we take that with wild animals and circuses the government promised legislation a few years ago um, they actually bought off there was going to be a parliamentary rebellion over it on, on a, uh, a backbench business debate and so they promised legislation and it's just absolutely ridiculous that they yeah there's been plenty of time for them to bring something forward mm. they said at one point that we couldn't do it while we were in the eu but other e- european union countries have done it and you're only talking about there's not even 20 animals in circuses now in the UK so you wouldn't be affecting it's not like you'd be putting huge numbers of people out of business or anything Mm -hmm. like that so it's just something they need to get on and do Um, and um, animal testing the current thing I'm doing is um, just like this week actually I've started doing it is if we do leave the EU um, we would have to replicate a lot of testing procedures in this country um, that at the moment you know reach the chemicals uh, regime in the eu um we are members of that if we have to go it alone there's a real danger that you could end up with more animal tests that can be carried out and there's a, a real problem with not enough data sharing going on so companies will say for reasons of commercial confidentiality we don't want to tell people what sort of experiments we're carrying out so um, that's the thing at the moment i'm trying to get a commitment from the government that it wouldn't mean an increase in testing my approach on animal testing has always been that the best way to make progress is an incremental approach rather than sort of coming all out against any testing the cosmetics ban has come through Clearly, household products, recreational drugs—they test. Yeah, they—they they give mice some um, cannabis, and apparently, it makes them eat more. You know, mm-hmm. would you would never have thought that would? You? Um, Maybe they enjoy and, it uh, no Yeah, you know, it's like you, I'm pretty sure you could just test that on humans without, any, you know, without any resistance. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, and just that there's just far too many te- I, you know I think there's an, a debate to be had about whether animal testing in certain circumstances should be permissible so I said I've got a sister who's vegan and as is her partner and they've got a daughter who's got cystic fibrosis and you know it's quite an ethical dilemma from the point of view um I mean actually as, as cystic fibrosis you have to have medication each day which I think has pig enzymes in um but you know this is a a little girl's life that you're talking about, and um, if you yeah, know, that's the ethical dilemma is would you accept animal testing if they can come up with a cure for cystic fibrosis? Mm. Um, but you know, the other thing is to support, which I have done as much as possible, promoting alternatives to animal testing. So, the Dr. Hadwin Trust funded a unit at uh, a London university, and um, you know, a lot of scientists will say there's far more efficient ways to test things um, than to test on animals so that's something else i'm trying to push
0: one of the things you touched on there carrie was uh, defra which for our american mm. uh, downloaders is the in the uk the department uh, for environment uh, food and rural affairs now in 2015 you were the opposition uh, spokesperson uh, minister i should say for that how did you find that experience, given you know the fact that you were a vegan? I know you've alluded to it as well before when you were mentioning Tory MPs or maybe saying on different debates that as a vegan, what do you think of this? As a vegan, what do you think about that? When necessarily it wasn't relevant strictly to the content of the conversation that you were having. But in terms of your work with DEFRA um, and also working with farmers within that role, how did you find that experience?
1: Well, when I was first appointed... Um I think it was probably the Daily Mail that started off, realized I was vegan and completely went to town. And they found an interview that I'd done with Viva, which is a, a vegan organization based in Bristol, but they have a magazine in which I'd said something, you know, quite casually, I'd said, I'm becoming more militant about these issues as I get older, by which I kind of just meant a bit more fired up and thinking, well, let's come on, let's change things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also said something about, I was asked if... Um, if meat was bad for you, shouldn't it be banned? You know, so if it, the, the health impacts, and I said, well, no, you just treat it the way you treat smoking, like public health warnings, sure. which is a, you know fairly sensible response. You know, if mm. if processed meat causes bowel cancer, I don't. You know, the public response isn't going to be we're going to ban bacon. It's going to be to highlight to people that it will increase your risk. You know, mm. but that got you know picked up, and it's like she wants. Uh, meat eaters be treated like smokers which made it sound like I was suggesting that if you were going to eat a burger you had to stand in the doorstep on in the pouring rain or whatever (laughs) not be allowed in the office building or or that sort of stuff so there was a lot of you know distorting things I'd I'd said uh, deliberately and um, that was quite difficult but I think over you know there's definitely been you know I, I spoke at the Oxford Farming Conference which is all the traditional farmers and actually because the Conservative Secretary of State who spoke then was so robotic and <laughs> gave a rather strange speech that was just all about you're going to be able to build longer ditches, as far as I can make remember of Liz trust in those days. Um, I actually think, you know, we, we did a, a afterwards and she was asked about farm payments and she didn't know what proportion of farm payments had been paid out, which was her responsibility, and I mm. did know. So I think that was the way I dealt with it, was just by. I, you know, the speech that I gave just, um, had far more information. I've done my homework far more. I wasn't just like pandering to a couple of things I thought that they would you know, bite at. And um, so I think gradually, you know, there, there would always have been the suspicion. They would never have sort of totally thought I was, you know, on the side. But I just think that, you know, I've, I've developed quite a good relationship with them. I did appoint a shadow farming minister. So, you know, to actually do the junior role that specific farming... And When I asked him if he wanted to do the job, I, the first thing I said to him was, are you a meat eater? <laughs> because I kind of thought it'd be quite helpful if he was. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, you just have to show that you know your stuff and that you're speaking from a position of, yeah, of being informed. And I currently, you know, I would say I have a, a reasonably good relationship with those organizations because um, on things like the Agriculture Bill, you know, I'm actually trying to protect them in mean, the key issue at the moment where we'd be working with the farmers union is about trying to ensure there'd be no lowering of standards in any trade deals post brexit so it's this whole chlorinated chicken thing about uh, whether u.s produce could flood the uk market it'd mm. be lower quality it'd be lower lower standards but also lower price which would really hurt our farmers so you know i'm an ally on that but um there still will be plenty of instances where they're just a bit suspicious I remember somebody came up at DEFRA committee recently and the chair, I think it was on the trade. It was and actually, we're totally on the same page on this, but he, oh, that was it. I was suggesting um, there was some talk about funding to um, improve the productivity uh, of, of dairy farmers. And all I did was just say, well, if you improve productivity, there'll be more milk on the market. And won't that mean prices go down? And uh, he was very suspicious. He thought this was me trying to say that, you know, dairy was bad and so on. I was actually just talking about it from from his point of view, that if he supports dairy farmers, when there's too much milk being produced at the moment, yeah, when you can get a very low price for your milk, Hmm. um, I was just talking basic economics. So, yeah, there's there's (laughs) quite often this uh, suspicion which isn't always justified. Yeah. Sometimes I do have ulterior motives, but in that case they didn't. You
0: <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth there when it was basic economics. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, Supply exactly. and demand, no. I'm sure I've heard this somewhere before.
1: Yeah, the, I read an article, I think it was in the Washington Times about a year ago, about how there's far too much cheese being produced in the US hmm. and how much cheese each person would have to eat to be able to consume it all. And it yeah, it's just, yeah you
0: can debate those things without the veganism really coming into it. Yeah. It's funny. I find the whole thing with the the farmer situation is I don't necessarily see farmers as as the enemy, Kerry, you know, I mean, Mm. one of the motivations for me starting this podcast back at the start of the year was, you know, when Veganuary was uh, in full flow, the campaign over here in the UK to get people to stop eating, uh, or to adopt, I should say, and put a positive slant on a, a vegan diet and lifestyle for, for one month. Um, was that it obviously got traction with the mainstream media and people vegan campaigners animal rights activists were brought into a studio and a you know a, a beef farmer or a dairy farmer was wheeled in as well and they'd sit back and get them basically to argue and shout at one another for five ten minutes because under the the headline of good journalism which it certainly was not uh, it was just headline grabbing um I don't see farmers as the enemy because they're part of the system and a lot of farmers that I've spoken to and indeed some of our guests who have told us the story on this show have said that farmers would love to find a way out of it. They don't necessarily know what else to do because, you know, they've inherited farms. It's come through the generations. Now, some of them obviously love their work and, of course, a lot of them do. But they see veganism as a threat. But I think when vegans explain to them, there is another way. You know there is crop harvesting. There's other things that you can grow. In fact, we had Jay Wild on the show last week. The farmer at the centre of the BAFTA award-winning uh, documentary oh, Seventy Three Guys. Yeah. Um, talk about courage! I mean, what that guy did and giving away his herd to an animal sanctuary was incredible. You know, so I don't I agree with you. I don't see uh, farmers as the enemy. The people to work with um, oh. and help. Um, bring around, you know, a more sustainable environment as well as obviously we have the rights of the the animals at the centre of all of this, you know. The fact of your appointment to that role, Carrie, in 2015, would you say that was a good indication of your, your specifically your party's attitude and their commitment towards animal welfare?
1: Um... I have to say, so the chief whip phoned me to offer me the role, and Jeremy was sitting in the room with her at the time. And I said, my first response was, he doesn't know I'm vegan, (laughs) doesn't he? And there was a conversation, and it was like, oh, we thought you were just vegetarian. And I was like, right. And I said, well, there is going to be a backlash. And then Jeremy actually got on the phone and said, you know, well, we vegetarians admire vegans. So, yeah, I think he was probably more prepared to accept that than. Other people. Um, I think there still is, though, politically, a real reluctance to um, come out. And you know, there's some of my colleagues that are really good on environmental issues, but won't actually grasp the nettle of talking about the the meat issue uh, because they feel that it would upset voters and and so on. So um, I, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that do animal welfare issues, but it tends to be at like the puppies Mm. be nice to puppies end of the spectrum um rather than getting into farm animal welfare and um yeah there was a campaign quite a few years ago now that um world animal protection i think it was when they were called whisper so world society protection of animals i think it might have been called Mm. but it was called not in my cuppa and it was a campaign against plans for a huge dairy farm in Nocton in the uk and um There were loads of MPs came along and sort of posed, I think they had mugs saying, not in my cuppa, that they didn't want milk produced from this massive dairy farm. And that sort of thing frustrates me a little bit because um, you don't have to dig very far to realise that although this was a particularly huge farm, there's an awful lot that aren't much better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that shit, the industrialisation, I've been in places where you've got robotic milking of cows, you know, they're standing still and going round in a circle on this you sort of this contraption and the um it's almost like they're automatically connected to the, the milking machines automatically connect to their teeth and things. And um yeah I, I, I get a little bit frustrated that um uh it almost sometimes with some people feels like a bit of a tick box exercise. So we have early day motions in the UK Parliament where people can just sign up to say, I don't approve of this. Um but I think people need to do a bit more than just sign up to a motion to say that they're against something. You know, I'd like to see people actually pushing for change a bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. Carrie, would you believe we're almost out of time? It's absolutely flown by. <laughs> <with you. laughs>
1: yeah, I do talk rather a lot.
0: <laughs> it's probably me bending your ear. Sorry about that. Um, so, Carrie, I just wanted to leave it with you today, just if you can share with us your thoughts on how you see veganism over the next 12 months, five years, whatever, because... Well, I mentioned it earlier, uh, Veganuary was a big campaign here in the UK. I think, was it two years ago? We um, it, it were regist- it was registered, it was opinion polls put the number of vegans in the UK at 350,000. As of last year, that was three and a half million. So, you know, that, that's a huge increase yeah. in just a couple of years. Everywhere we go, particularly in cities like Bristol, um, and even here in Belfast, and particularly in places like London, Um, I'm just back from New York a couple of weeks ago when everywhere, every restaurant you go into has a vegan option. Uh, Not just one vegan option, many vegan options. The number of vegan restaurants is on the increase. So choice, availability is out there that I can see and I can really see a growth in the movement. How do you see it panning out over the next
1: 12 months to five years? How do you see that? Yeah, well, I I think it is here to stay. I know some people describe it as a fad or a trend or whatever, but um, I think a lot of people do want to make the shift. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. Like you say, in January this short year, you know, you'd walk through London and like every single restaurant was advertising what they were doing for Veganuary. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, obviously making... Yeah, the fact that you you can buy so much in the supermarkets and people are partly doing it for commercial reasons. They've realised there's money to be had there. I think we need to look at things like public provision. So... You know hospitals, schools, prisons, and that you know need to make sure that there's far more choices available for for people um and not almost you know the default option ought to be so, you know if you provide a vegan meal, pretty much everyone can eat it so apart from you know you have to get into the whole gluten free and things like that but um uh you know it's it's you know i'm I'm really i think there's gonna be uh January next year is going to be massive again, and just people are quite excited about you know. The way it's going. Yeah, so it's, I think it's all, all pretty positive.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Gary. We'll have to get on to Jeremy Corbyn and get him to push him over the line just that last little bit.
1: Oh, I I'm think sure I should, we shouldn't I? So, well, Caroline Lucas, I'm working on because oh, I know yeah. she said to me in the past she likes cheese too much, but mm-hmm. she um, she has said that she's trying to eat vegan more often, but. You know, she's she's Green Party. <laughs> she ought to be uh, doing it for environmental reasons, at least. So, yeah, there's a few There's a few that I'm working on. A few, yeah. you know, we start with the vegetarians and yeah. see where you can get to with them. So well,
0: you should, you should we're, re- we're well, going to get some
1: MPs to do Veganuary next year.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you should point yeah. her in the direction of that um, vegan cheese shop you mentioned earlier in Brighton. Maybe there's one like it. You know, she's the MP for down that direction. She's
1: uh, the MP, yeah. She, she'll walk past it on the way to the station. It's infinity food. She'll walk past it on the way to the station all the time. So, yeah. So she's got no excuse, has she?
0: Caroline, get yourself in there. You know you want to.
1: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, great talking to you.
0: Thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate that. Thanks a million.
1: Okay, bye.